It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Um, How you doing? Good. I said I'm still stuck at home. Yes, yes, you're breaking up a little bit there on your cell, but I think it'll I think it'll perk up for us here. Okay, Keith, let's talk about the announcement by David Eby here to expand this big infrastructure announcement at BC Hydro. Now, this is the 10-year capital plan for BC Hydro, $36 billion plan. Boy, getting a lot of attention. He made the announcement in Prince George. Let's have a listen. It's an assurance to you that you will have access to clean, stable, affordable electricity to decarbonize your operations and to build jobs in British Columbia. What do you think of this announcement? Oh, I think it's uh, pretty big news. We've been talking forever about where are we going to get all this electricity? You know, everything from EVs to getting mills and mines off of fossil fuels and people off fossil fuels in their daily life. You need more electricity. So this is a pretty massive announcement now it's over 10 years so you know it's going to take a while but it goes from 24 uh, billion was the original plan to 36 billion dollars there's a new transmission line that's going to be built from prince george to terrace which alone is a pretty significant uh, uh, project it's getting a considerable favored reaction i notice in the northern media um, which has got to be music to eb's ears kevin falcon's up there as well so he unveiled yeah. his own his own plan and they got absolutely roasted in the Prince George citizen paper. So this is basically home field advantage, you would think, for the former BC Liberal Party, now the BC United Party, and the editorial on the Prince George Citizen, their hometown paper, says literally the headline is, David Eby is eating Kevin Falcon's lunch by basically (laughs) stealing things from the old BC Liberal game plan, which is to go heavy on resource projects. The NDP is backing a couple of gold mines up there. So this is not stuff normally associated you go back to the 1990s when ndp was in power this is not the same type of thing they were talking about they cut back on hydro maintenance in the 90s they they opposed mining now you've got ev up there talking about a hydrogen uh fuel facility uh creating two mines two gold mines in the prince george area and then this massive hydro investment which is really going to be focused largely on the north of the interior yeah, for sure. I'm just taking a look at that Prince George Citizen editorial here. Yeah, and it is quite a withering appraisal of Kevin Falcon, the opposition leader, and the BC United leader. And, and they, they basically run, the, they basically own those ridings up there traditionally, do they not? They do. I mean, well, uh, the NDP won Prince George in the 90s when there was a vote split between the yeah. Socrates and the Reforms and the BC Liberals. So, no, I mean, we're talking the turf of Shirley Bond. Yes, you know who's been in MLA for 23 years up there, winning very handily. Uh, but the Conservatives now are on the scene, and if they're going to run candidates in the Prince George area, this is the way for the NDP picking up seats there oh. again on a vote split, not necessarily with 50 percent of the vote, but just maybe a little north of you know 35, 40 percent, and a split with between United and Conservatives. That would be enough for David Eby's party to win those seats. And again, given the media reaction, the positive reaction he's getting up there. I think they got to be very pleased with what they're hearing. Yeah, that's got to be a cl- that's a classic vote split scenario up there because you know that BC Conservative Party will get some support in Prince George. Here's the other thing that EB's being criticized over, though, with this announcement, Keith. Keith, for your thoughts, 
that this is largely an infrastructure announcement. It's a capital spending announcement. It doesn't address where are we going to actually generate all this new power, right? Like we've talked Mm. before about BC Hydro has been talking about, oh, well, we're going to make a big investment in wind power. I'm not confident that wind power is going to generate enough power that we need. Where is all this new power supposed to come from? He hasn't explained that yet. No, that's a very good point. So, yeah, um, basically, there doesn't seem to be any more run of river, uh, which is hydroelectricity, either big or small. Um, so I think the, the alternatives largely are wind, primarily in the northeast to run transmission lines down from the Peace River area down to uh, to rest of the province, and solar panels. Well, you know, BC is not Arizona uh, when it comes yeah. to solar heat. So yeah, that's a, that's a gaping hole right now that is yet to be filled in, in this ambitious capital plan. Uh, it doesn't mean building another Site C dam, but it does need, there's a 15% increase in, in projected electricity use in the next 10 years or so. And Hydro's going to have their power call within a couple months of several thousand megawatts. And that's largely expected to be wind. We've got very little wind uh, projects in BC right now, um, far fewer than many other jurisdictions. But as I said before, you know, just south of us in Washington State, there's a big wind farm. Uh, being planned, I think, in the the eastern part of the states uh, of Washington. And there's huge uh, community opposition to it because wind turbines are big, noisy uh, things that can blight the landscape. uh, And they're spread out over a large uh, area of ground. And there's a huge opposition to the project now being in doubt of being built. So we'll see what happens if we get a bunch of wind farms near Tumbler Ridge and, you know, up in the Peace area, whether there's local opposition or not. But that, that, you're right, that's, that's sort of an unexplained yeah. gap in the plan right now. Let's talk about the latest outrage over grocery store prices. And this one has Loblaws, the largest grocery store chain in the country, announcing that they are going to reduce their discount on expiring food. So this is fresh fruit and vegetables and fresh meat. I always look for the discounts on that fresh meat oh, in the meat here. aisle. Everybody does, yeah. right? Like, who cares if it's expiring in a couple of days? Buy it. So Loblaw is announcing that a f- their 50% discount being reduced to just a 30% discount. Now, I-, I spoke to NDP MP Peter Julian earlier in the show. He, again, is calling for a windfall profit tax on Loblaws and these other big grocery store chains. Justin Trudeau, let's listen to Trudeau here responding to that. So this is Trudeau, this idea of a windfall profit tax on grocery stores. Here's what Trudeau had to say, then I'll get your thoughts. The last thing we want to do is uh, put on a tax that people then just pass along to the consumers. So we have to be careful about what we're doing. Uh, But I don't think that the... uh, simplistic solution, as satisfying as it might sound, uh, is necessarily the right approach. Okay, so he calls this idea simplistic, that the tax could just be passed along and raise prices even higher. But at the same time, he sort of talks out of both sides of his mouth on this because he has also threatened punitive taxes against these grocery store chains himself. Your thoughts? Yeah, so a lot of laws, I mean, talk about tone deaf to do this at a time when they're already being criticized for price gouging or collusion of keeping prices high and not doing anything to help the consumer. So to do something like this without any valid explanation, again, gives that corporation a, a deserved black eye. I think Trudeau's correct, though, in terms of it's it's an easy solution to say have an excess profits. So first of all, how do you define excess profits? What is a windfall? 
I'm sure you ask 10 people, they might have 10 different views of what that what that number uh, constitutes. And there is, you know, an argument that w- would simply be passed on to the consumer in some form of other price increase. So, But, you know, I think something's going to happen at some point when it comes to these grocery stores if they don't get their act together in Loblaws. And you're right, Mike, I'm the same with you. I look for that, that discount, that $2 discount or that $5 discount on that piece of meat that I'm going to cook tonight uh, or oh, yeah. in the freezer. You know, I think everyone's looking totally. for that. And again, why Loblaws would do that is just, you know, tone deaf, to say the least. Let me ask you about school closures here when we have snow days. So once again, we've got the Vancouver school system shut down. They were shut down yesterday. Interestingly, in Victoria, schools yesterday were open and also in neighboring Souk. Schools, again, were open yesterday. Oh, too bad for those kids in Victoria and Souk yesterday. <laughs> Here is Paul Block. He is the superintendent of the school of the Souk School District explaining why they kept their schools open. Let's listen. Our families really rely on public education uh, to provide a great education and inspire our kids, but we also need to care for them and supervise. And in today's economy, with often our working families have two working parents it's incredibly important that we always consider that uh, that important service that we provide. Okay, I thought that was very interesting that he's saying that we want to help supervise these kids, that it, child care is expensive, we don't want to have parents scrambling to find child care. Do you think some school districts are too quick to pull the trigger here on a snow day and shut the schools down? Well, I, again, it depends where you are. I mean, look at poor Coquitlam guy, 30 centimeters. It's hard to see. You also don't want to encourage parents to drive on the streets, driving their kids to school, and what could possibly be dangerous situations, as we discussed yesterday, many people don't have snow tires in, yeah. uh, in Metro Vancouver. So you really want to force your, your kid into a car and take them on some potentially dangerous streets just to get to school. And just because schools are open doesn't mean they're attended. My colleague Kylie Stanton in the Ledge Bureau over here at Global, yesterday, the life hadn't disclosed, uh, you know, her son Sawyer's one-year one old uh, or her uh, grade one class was open but only six kids showed up so parents <laughs> yeah. are keeping their kids home in snowstorms yeah. whether the schools are open or not it's baldry's beat let's go right to your phone calls here mike and vernon hi mike go ahead hey morning guys um a couple of points first of all on the food one um if people aren't happy with a particular store go somewhere else that's the best way to get a point across is literally you know i guess we could call it a boycott but Find other places to go. Um, but the second one um, on this power uh, call and the hydro generating and our electrical generating and transmission lines, uh, great that they're going to expand the transmission lines. We need the grid to be upgraded. But going to wind power, as we saw in Alberta when they had the, we had the cold snap and there was a call for people to use less power, one of the problems was that there was absolutely zero wind so the wind generators at night combined with the solar panels weren't producing any electricity whatsoever. Yeah, yeah that's that's the knock on wind power and solar power as well. When the wind's not blowing, the sun's not shining, where's the power coming from? Wind power's had a, a rocky road in Europe. There's been a number of countries that really had some problems of going heavily into wind power. And because it's just Germany is, has had problems, France. Um, it's proven to be enormously expensive, although the capital costs associated with wind, I understand, have greatly um, decreased in, in recent years. It used to be a very expensive proposition, uh, but those costs seem to have gone down. But nevertheless, Rick, Rick McCandless, who you've had on, former civil servant as intervener status at the at uh, the um, BC Utilities Commission, had a paper recently estimating that the cost of one 
uh, I think it's a three megawatt turbine is 2.5 million. And for a triple that, which is probably what's going to have to be required, is seven and a half million. And he estimates it has to be about 600 turbines, uh, more than 600 turbines to be built, which at a cost anywhere from five to almost $8 billion. Whoa. Uh, and that could be very well part of this huge $36 billion capital plan. That money is going to be spent on something. One assumes yeah. it's going to be spent on a heck of a lot of wind turbines. Okay, let's go to Bill in Parksville. Hi, Bill. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Say, a few months ago, you both were talking about Hydro's comment about the increase in BC Hydro would be in relation to a reduction in consumer use. Uh, I'm still laughing at that one because I haven't heard much since that from Hydro. So I turned off a light bulb once in a while. I wonder if anybody else is to increase power by reduction. I don't remember saying that, but anyways, yeah, so it's not necessarily a reduction of use. It's also efficient use of, of um, hydroelectricity, uh, which is why there's more and more heat pumps being brought in. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily, uh, this is more efficient use, which would reduce the consumption of power. There was not a, consumption, a reduction of power last Friday. There was a huge ramp yeah. up. Uh, you yeah. know, there was more than 11,300 megawatts, 11, megawatts. Quite yeah. apart from Fortis's record amount of megawatts, they contributed to keep people's homes warm. So, no, there was a ramp up of use. And that's what happens in cold saps and can happen in heat dumps as more and more air conditioners and cooling centers come online. Yeah. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hey, Keith. Uh, I don't know what you think of this, but uh, um, I'm, I'm smelling maybe early election here. A uh, couple of announcements by Mr. Eby and Prince George now supporting, Is it? I believe it's a couple of gold mines up there, uh, talking about uh, wind power. I think we're in for a spring election myself. But this hydro announcement, is so, it's, it's disingenuous to me in the fact that there's no intimate details. And I think you said it, Keith. Where is the power? Was it you, Mike? Where's the power going to come from? Uh, wind oh, yeah. is not going to cut it. When you no. look at and you just said the cost, look, look up the maintenance of these things. And also look up, and I know this may sound silly, but it's a fact. You can fact check it. Look at the hundreds of thousands of birds. It kills. I know yeah. they kill. It, it's a fact. So I just feel wind power is not going. It's just it's a, living in a fantasy land. It's kind of telling the saying to the public, it's it's what they want to hear. You know. Okay, so, Rob. I'll, I'll thank you. For, answer. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Start. Go ahead, Keith. When Barry Penner was environment minister a few years ago, he used to always carry with him a chart that showed what killed birds. And the number one killer of birds is tall buildings. It's not mm. wind turbines. But as okay. we get more and more wind turbines built, perhaps that ratio will change. What do you but, think uh, about his? Com- what do you think about his comment on a possible spring election here? I mean, that's got to be tempting for Eb. You got thirty seconds here. Oh, it's got to be tempting, but he's so far has rebuffed any suggestion he's going to do that. But I'll tell you, that announcement of Prince George had all the earmarks of electioneering. It does. Uh, but I still, I'm <laughs> really, still betting on October. I'm still betting on October. He, he seems like he's sort of in a campaign-style mode, though, isn't he? I, you know, is he keeping oh, yeah. his powder dry here? But, but maybe that campaign mode goes on for 10 months until we yeah, get to yeah, the actual 28-day campaign in October. But I'm oh, sure that's right. people in the caucus pressuring him. Let's, let's go now, boss. Go but, early. Yeah. So, so far, no. But, you know, we're expecting another pullout. Wouldn't be surprised if conservative BC Conservatives and BC United continue to be lockstep and the NDP with a significant lead, and that'll whet the appetite for those who want an early election. Keith, thanks a lot. All right, take care.